Romans chapter 1 and verses 18 through 25. And um, I have titled tonight's lesson, God's Judgment Tested. God's Judgment Tested. Uh, because we've been living for the past 2,000 years in the dispensation of grace, uh, grace and mercy has been so very much abundant for us in this day that we're living in. Uh, it's different night and day from um, uh, this dispensation and the last dispensation, which was the dispensation of law. Uh, there was no mercy. Uh, and um, it uh, no mercy whatsoever. Uh, you uh, broke the commandment. You paid the price. You paid the penalty uh, there on the spot. But uh, Jesus came, and he brought uh, a new day in. But because we have been under the grace and mercy of God, we've got a lot of people in this world who seem to don't understand that just as sure and true as God's mercy is his judgment. Hallelujah. Amen. And uh, we don't need to try or test uh, the judgment of God because his judgment is sure. Let's go ahead and read these passages of Scripture here in Romans. Then I'm going to break them down. We're going to go through here as uh, time uh, permits. It said, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And change the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up. Hallelujah. He gave them up to uncleanliness in the lust of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Wow. Powerful stuff. I want to talk first tonight about God's anger revealed. He starts off by saying, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. I want to read that again. And I'm going to read it. I got it printed down here uh, in God's Word translation, Romans 1 and 18. Listen to this. I know this is not up on your screen, but listen. this is, this is God's Word translation. God's anger is revealed from heaven 
against every ungodly and immoral thing people do as they try to suppress the truth by their immoral living. Now, I want to deal with that just just a few minutes. The Bible talks about those who will suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Uh, the greatest hindrance to truth is not the false prophet who propagates lies, but the person who lives their life in total disregard and respect to the truth, although God has placed it in, placed in them the knowledge of what is right. Now, the original King James says the wrath of God is revealed against those who hold the truth. Or that word hold, it means to suppress, to hinder. To suppress, to hinder the truth in unrighteousness. And what he's talking about is the people who, uh, who God has showed truth, the people who God has revealed truth, but yet they don't live truth. They suppress the truth by their immoral living. Far so more than the false prophet that gets up and propagates his lies. If I've got a knowledge of God and what God wants of me, and you've got a knowledge of God and what God wants of you, but yet I fail to live that way and you fail to live that way, we are guilty of suppressing truth. We might not be like those preaching false doctrine, but we just we're on the, in the same category because we do not live what we know is right. Hallelujah, Amen. There's a whole lot of people likes to play ignorant, but they're not quite as ignorant as what you may think. And we're going to bring we're going to bring this out just a little bit more as we get uh, uh, get out Romans one. Uh, Romans 1 and 19 says, Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Now, during this chapter, we're going to mention, I, th I think it's three different times where the Bible used the phrase, and God, and God gave them up. I want to tell you something. I want to talk serious just a minute, just as serious as I can be. There is, and I don't know where that line is. I don't believe nobody knows where that line is. But there is a line that we can cross that we cannot get back to where we was. Um, I have used this. I've preached, preached message titled, past the point of no return. I got that many years ago as a child when we went up several times to Niagara Falls. Uh, and um, on the Niagara River, there, there, is, there is a place uh, out there, there's a line of rocks in that river that they call the point of no return. And they say any swimmer or any boat that gets past that rock, they're there's no going back. You will go over the falls because the rapids become so fast and furious, even a boat, a powerful motor boat, cannot, cannot beat the current to go, to go back. 
when um, Sister Darlene and, I, Darlene and I went up there for our 40th anniversary, we went around for that tour, and that guy, they still mention that up there, and they, they, they point that out. And there is, there is a point, there's a place. And let me tell you, the Bible talks about reprobate mind. This is what God's referring to since when God, when God gives them up, and God will give them up. The person who is in danger of going into a reprobate is somebody who God has shown something, known truth, but yet they, they turn their back on it and they will not live it. Hallelujah. I do not believe there ever, will, there is or ever is or ever will be a reprobate out of somebody who hadn't come to God yet. It's got to be somebody who's come to God, but then they turn their back completely, Sister Moore, on everything God has showed them. That is the most dangerous position that anybody can be in. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them. That word manifest is, is to be made known. Hallelujah. For God has shown it to them. And God's wrath or his anger, that's what the word wrath means. It means God's anger. Hallelujah. Is revealed against those who suppress the truth, not by telling false doctrine or, or, or lies, but simply having the truth but not living the truth. Do you know the Bible says, unto whom much is given, much is required. I hate to tell you this, but this, this group of people that's here right, here right here tonight, those of us that has been in this thing for a period of time and we've heard all the messages, we've heard the word go forth and all that, I promise you on Judgment Day, God will judge us a whole lot stricter than he will the Baptist or the Methodist or the Presbyterian because they've never been told. Hallelujah. Amen. So this is what we have to deal with. God's judgment tested. Now, uh, the second thing is when we get to that point in the place, he said there is no excuse. And that's the second point that I want to bring bring out tonight. People say, well, you know, I hadn't been I hadn't been actually told this about it, about God or God ain't ever revealed nothing to me or spoken to me. But Romans one and twenty, notice about what it says, Romans one and twenty. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Hallelujah. Got nothing to do with a preacher preaching it to you. Hallelujah. Understanding the Godhead can be understood by looking at nature, the things that God has created. None of us is going to be able to have an excuse when we stand before him. We might think of a lot of stuff and we'll say, well, you know, this, 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 but none of that stuff will hold water when we come before the judgment seat of Christ. I want to read that same verse again in God's Word. Uh, it says, from the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly observed in what He made. As a result, people have no excuse. Wow. That's 
man, that's some tough stuff right there. That's some tough stuff right there. And this is the thoughts that I, that I uh, wrote down about it when I was praying and going over it this afternoon. The fact is, God has revealed himself to mankind long before there ever was a preacher or a prophet. In the world all around us which he made, look at nature, the sky, the sea, the mountains, and every living creature, because the signature of God is in everything. Go to the Smoky Mountains and look at the beauty there in the nature of God. You, that's God's handiwork. You see the signature of God. You go to the oceans and go to the beaches and look at the vastness and the beauty. of The signature of God is on the seas. Hallelujah. God's stamp is on everything he created. Hallelujah. Amen. It's all there. His divine nature and his Godhead is there. That's what the book says. That's what the book says. So we're without excuse. We don't have an excuse. Hallelujah. Man, that, 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 is, that, is, that is so powerful. Hallelujah. Psalms 19 and 1, I want to take you there just briefly. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. Hallelujah. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. I've been to a few museums in my life. I've seen some artwork and, uh, and uh, paintings that are, that, are, that are known as masterpieces, but there's nothing created by man, no kind of masterpiece can match what God has created. It can't be touched, can it? It can't be touched. Hallelujah. Amen. And uh, that we we can, we can see God's handiwork in all of that. Now, now that we've declared this and we've seen this, there's a there's Paul. He goes into s some areas, some steps that people took that he referred to in the past that led them to a darkened heart. The steps to a darkened heart. We got to watch ourselves and we got to be careful. Romans 1 and 21 says, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Again, reading that scripture in God's word, it says they knew God but did not praise and thank him for being God. Instead, their thoughts were pointless and their misguided minds were plunged into darkness. Here's the danger, folks. Number one, here's the first step that the ones that he was talking about uh, and passed, uh, passed in his day, they failed to honor God as God. Even though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. Hallelujah. They failed to honor God as God. You say, well, that, I'm okay. I've never, I've never done that 
really. How many times, how many times have I made an important decision in my life and I didn't inquire about God, to God about it before I made it? If I make a decision in my life that affects my life, that affects my family, but I make that decision because I figure it out in my mind and I let my experience make the choice of what's best and I do not go to God before I make that decision, I'm not giving glory to God as being God. Hallelujah. Amen. Biggest problem with marriage failures today, I know, I know what the experts say. I've, I've read and studied a lot of the books, some of the things I use when I do counseling stuff. But I'm going to tell you, one of the biggest problems is still, even, even people in, in, in churches, they do not seek the proper advice from God for their mate. The person that you choose to be by you as your husband or your wife will impact your destiny. You can mess up everything that God had designed for your life because you jump off into something that was not ordained by God. Hallelujah. So, they failed to honor God as God. It's important, church, that we, that we include God. What, what is that old saying? How do they say that? Uh, uh Keep, uh, keep me in the loop. You know, people involved in business and different things like that, they say, well, you know, you'll do, make sure I'm in the loop. You know what? We need to make sure God's in the loop. Amen? Hallelujah. We make a decision whether or not we're going to change jobs. You better keep God in the loop. Amen. Whatever things that are important, we need to include God. If we don't do that, well, then we're not honoring God as God because if you honor him as God, you're going to say, Lord, what is it your will that I did about this? What is your, your will? Amen. So Paul said they failed to honor God as God. Then step number two, they failed to be thankful. Man, that typifies this day and age that we're living in. We live in uh, uh, a day and age that there is no thankfulness and there's no gratitude. Hallelujah. Amen. That is one, that's the second step of getting down to where your heart becomes darkened and it's going to eventually lead you to where God gives you up. Hallelujah. We need to be thankful to God. We need to have an attitude of gratitude in everything that we do. Instead of complaining about what we don't have, thank God for what you do have. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, uh, you've heard me tell the story, uh, story before about, about the man, uh, the homeless man complaining to God because he didn't have no shoes on his feet. And when he turned the corner, he found a man sitting there holding a cup but didn't have no feet. What good is a pair of shoes to a man that don't have feet? Amen. Hallelujah. We need to be, we need to be thankful. Amen. Because I don't care what condition you're in, 
you're going to always find somebody who's worse off than you. We need to learn to be thankful. He said uh, uh, they knew uh, they didn't glorify him, God, neither were thankful. Then the third thing, your thoughts become vain and pointless. Hallelujah. Amen. Thoughts become vain. And, you know, we got to, we got to learn, and this is part, I believe part of this is, is giving God the credit of Him being God. But we have to watch our thoughts. Because the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's right, Sister Mel. Hallelujah. Whatever you think you are, that's what you're going to become. If you think that you can't, you, you always think I can't overcome, you ain't going to never overcome. You think I can't do this and I, I, I'm not going to do that? I, that that's going to be the wind-up for you. Hallelujah. So our thoughts are, uh, are very much important. Then that leads us to their, he said, their understanding become void of truth or what he said, uh, he talked about plunged into darkness, or their heart, their foolish hearts were darkened. Amen. Their foolish hearts were darkened. The darkened heart represents a heart that is void of truth. You no longer hold truth in your heart. You no longer have understanding in your heart. You've gotten a darkened heart. And you know what? You can't blame the devil. You can't blame nobody else but yourself because you followed that path. Hallelujah, you follow that path. Then comes the point, he said, where they created man-made gods. You quit honoring God as God, and you took these steps of going down. Then they begin, because they didn't have God in their life, they begin to make up their own gods. Romans 22 and 23, he said, professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Paul was talking about those uh, in his day and before his day that began to make idols, idols of wood and cover them with gold and silver. And they would, they would set those idols up on places in their homes and kneel down and pray to those idols, those dumb idols that cannot speak, cannot breathe. Hallelujah. And they worship those things. And you know what? We still got people who do that today. We still got people to do that today. But even, even though we might not have some kind of shrine built in our, in, in our house, before we, we kneel down to some kind of uh, uh, some kind of idol like that, uh, a lot of times we create gods that we worship more than God. Hallelujah, Amen. That happens also. Uh, I found a place where the Apostle Paul in the Book of Acts, as he was traveling, he ran upon a man named Demetrius. And Demetrius was a man, he was a silversmith. And this man made all kind of money making false gods, idols, shrines, 
Let me read you a little bit about a story about that in Acts chapter 19, verses 24 through 27. For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith which made silver shrines for Diana, brought no small gain unto the craftsmen, whom he called together with the workmen of like occupation, and said, Sirs, you know that by this craft we all have our wealth. Moreover, you see in here that, that not alone at Ephesus, but also throughout all Asia, this Paul hath persuaded and turned away much people, saying that there is no gods which are made by hands. Now, Demetrius got upset of Paul's revivals and his converts because he was going around everywhere saying, these, these gods that y'all made ain't real. And people getting converted, repenting, baptized in Jesus' name and getting the Holy Ghost, first thing they did was go home and, and throw out all their false gods. Demetrius and his buddies got, they, they, they noticed a loss in their pocketbook. Hallelujah. They called a meeting, and they stirred up a big, and turned in, if you go and read the whole thing, had a whole big riot going on in, in the city of Ephesus, and they all ran to that amphitheater, and I, if I'm not mistaken, it was over two hours, everybody in the city was saying, great is Diana of the Ephesians, great is Diana of the Ephesians. <laughs> and you know what? Old Demetrius wasn't nothing but a hypocrite. He didn't care about that God, Diana. It was about the money he would have lost because he couldn't sell those shrines no more because of the Apostle Paul. People get a dose of God, they would throw all that. You know, there's a whole lot of people that's coming to the house of God <laughs> would do well if the first thing they do after they get right with God is go home and clean out their house. Amen. Hallelujah. There was one place Apostle Paul went. And the city was all, uh, all up into witchcraft and sorcery. You know what they did in that city? Go back in the book of Acts and read about it. They had a big bonfire. All the people, after they got saved and got filled with the Holy Ghost, they went and they, 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 they threw all of their books on sorcery and all that stuff in the big fire, and they lit it and burned it, set it on fire. That's one of our problems today is too many so-called Christians today, they, uh, they want to have God, but they want to keep all the stuff still a past life. True Christianity, true conversion, folks, is when we burn the bridges behind us. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, then we come to the part where God gave them up. And I'm going, I'm going to cover this, and we're going to, we'll, we'll stop and give any comments or questions. It says God gave them up. Romans chapter 1, verses 24 and 25. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. All right. Listen to it again in God's Word. For this reason, God allowed their lust to control them. As a result, they dishonored their bodies by sexual perversion with each other. How in the world can these people today say that the Bible don't teach against this stuff? It's, 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 it's plain. 
These people have exchanged God's truth for a lie. Like I told you at the beginning, it's almost like Paul wrote this in the day we're living in. So they have become ungodly and serve what is created rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Now, about God giving up. Somebody uh, keep getting further and further away from God. They cross, cross that line. God gives them up. What does it mean? What does it mean for God to give somebody up? When God gives someone up, his spirit no longer pleads with them. Hallelujah. When God gives somebody up, they don't have no conviction no more over sin. They don't have no conviction. They don't feel God tugging at their heart. It's like God wipes, wipes his hand and walks away. He's giving them up. To, what does the Scripture say? To allow their lust to control them. Man, that's, that's our world today put together in a nutshell. Hallelujah. When God gives someone up, his spirit no longer pleads with them. They become void of conscience. Hallelujah. They, they don't no longer have any conscience. I'm going to tell you, church, <laughs> I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thankful when God whoops me, when he gets me behind the woodshed and he, he speaks to me, he lets me know that I'm messed up and I've done something wrong. Don't, don't never disregard God's spirit. Because see, now, I know, I know I'm going to mess with somebody's theology tonight. And, but I'm go, I'm go, I'm just going to tell you the way that God, I believe, put it put it in my heart, and God let me see the scripture. I believe, and I feel by scripture, that before Noah cut one tree down and shaved it off with a plane and ever how they did it back then, and begin to lay one thing down for that ark the doom of the people on earth was already sealed because listen to what God said God told Noah he says you build an ark for the saving of you and your family God had already said my spirit is not going to strive with men no longer I'm giving this whole generation up for judgment and that is what's going to happen again one day, folks. People's going to be better. Can, can you imagine? I don't. I you know I believe God had to shelter uh, knowing his family's ears some kind of way. When that door was shut and those flood waters, man, think about what's going on in the Carolinas right now. Fourteen dams have given away and broken in the Carolinas. Fourteen dams, man. It makes the flood that we had in 2010 look like nothing. Uh, and, and, and the loss of life and all that stuff. Can you imagine when the rain began to fall and those flood, that flood water, people running up to that ark, beating and banging on it, screaming, mamas holding babies, 
At least let my baby come in. I'm telling you, folks, God's judgment is just as sure as his mercy. He's known. He's known as the Lamb of God, but he's also known as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. You compare the difference in the nature of a lamb and a lion. Hallelujah. That's why we got an obligation to warn as many people as we can. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming to these United States. Hallelujah. We need to warn as many people as we can. So let's don't test the judgment of God.